Podcast World. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast, episode number 26. And we're going to talk to Tracy Rader today. And we both know her from the past in different ways. So you'll hear a little bit about that. Tracy shares when we feel like we've done many things well in parenting and we've made an intentional effort. Despite our efforts, sometimes we don't get the results that we thought we were looking for because they do have their own free will, and sometimes they make their own choices. And you know, another thing Tracy brings up is that parents are not in control of their children, even from the moment they're born. And she shares about a moment that their son was in the NICU, born four weeks prematurely, and she said, you know, it really set the stage for realizing We are not in control as parents of our children, and God is in control. We're really excited that she was willing to share part of her journey with us as a mom, as a wife, as a Christ follower. And as you listen in, we just hope that God uses this story in your life. Listeners that are out there, we hope that this is um, an encouragement and a, a way to spur us on to walking with the Lord. So thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Afraid Not. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor, really. Well, it's an honor for us. We're so thankful that you made the time to swing by Owasso <laughs> and be with us today and tell us your story. And Would you start us off today with telling our listeners a little bit about you in a, a nutshell? Sure. Um, not that interesting, but I'm a 48-year-old mother of three sons who are now basically grown. We have a 24. 24- almost 24, 21, and 19-year-old. And I'm married to this amazing man. We've been married 26 years. He's kind of the man of my dreams, really, better than I could have ever imagined. And we just have a really fun life. I I was a stay-at-home mom for many years, like 10 years where I just stayed at home. And then a friend of mine um, who's uh, husband is a doctor. He asked me to come on very part-time. So I said, okay, but only when my kids are, you know, in school or whatever. And so re- literally I only worked maybe a half a day a week for years. And then I just kept bumping it up as my children got older. And so now just in the last two years, I would say I've started working full time and I work at this really cool company called Giant. And we're a technology company that um, we have this neat platform, kind of think Netflix meets Peloton. I don't know if you know what Peloton is. Really, Peloton is that cool website where you do the biking and it's a live, there's a live component. So there, you actually have a coach somewhere in the world who's coaching you while you're biking. Like a trainer. Yeah. And, but there's other people I think on the call too. And so it's, so we at giant have, it's called giant TV. So we've got kind of the Netflix in that you can watch videos and it's all surrounding uh, leadership content and people development basically. And then you've got the live component where you can sign up for certain things and be able to hear um, our content being delivered live, and you can chat um, with them as as you're learning, so you can ask questions and things. So it's it's really cool. It just launched like in March, and we're just getting tons of people on the platform, and we're uh, getting so much neat feedback, and it feels very purposeful. Oh, I love so, that. Yeah, that's really cool. So, how did you and Greg meet? Oh, um, so I went to Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee. Yay, I know. Love (laughs) you. (laughs) And my husband grew up in Shawnee. His dad was actually a professor there in uh, in Shawnee at OBU, and so he kind of wanted to get out of town when he graduated. And so he went to Samford University, which is in Birmingham. It's a it's a Baptist college, also. 
Uh, but the friends that he had had in junior high and high school ended up coming to OBU, and they were my friend group. And so when Greg would come into town to see his parents or for a holiday, he would end up hanging out with all of us, and so I was introduced to him then. And so I, I actually met him. We met each other. We kind of laughed. We met each other when I was a freshman, and I thought he was a nice guy and cute and all that, but I, there was nothing there for either one of us, and so it wasn't until... Um, he's a year ahead, so he'd already graduated from college, and I was a senior, and we started dating the end of January, and we were married by June. So, Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And, and so quick. I know. It was so quick. In wow. fact, I asked my mom not too long ago, like, you didn't balk when I said... I want to marry this guy. And actually, when Greg went to my dad and asked, and he, she said, I just had no reservations. He was just kind of everything that we had wanted for you. That's so. how Sean and I were. We met and got en- engaged really fast. And yeah. I was like, that is so weird that my, all, both sides' parents were like, yeah. okay. Well, and now, don't you think, now that we have older children, if they came to us and said that, I'd be like, no, 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 oh, that's not a good idea. Yes. My kids have come back yeah. to us and they're like, I cannot. I you have never. And I was like, I know. I know. Well, I happen to be at the house visiting friends that I believe you and Greg came by and you showed your ring for the first time. <gasps> really? Yes. I don't remember I that. I remember, was Tiffany Sprague there? Probably. And possibly some of those other sweet friends, uh-huh. Debbie. Yeah, Debbie and, yeah. yeah. I don't even know what was would have been the occasion, That's but I funny. remember... Kind of standing back in awe <laughs> and being very, very happy for you, Oh, Greg. that's but, so sweet. And this is kind of a fun moment to tell that Tracy and I go back to when I was 12. Really? <laughs> and I believe you, you know, you yeah, were 13, one year ahead of me. Yeah. So um, I had just made the Hefner Middle School or Hefner Junior High at that time uh-huh. show choir. Oh, yes. And Tracy had been in show choir, but she was moving on to <laughs> bigger and better things. And it was, she was time. It was time for her to sell her show choir pants. Oh, is that right? And so my mom and I went over to your house, tried on your black satin uh-huh, show I remember choir pants, those. and I bought them. Oh, that's from Tracy. Hilarious. So thank you for selling me your show oh, choir you're pants. You're welcome. I'm sure you still have them. Oh, right, <laughs> right. And and I'm sure they haven't fit since I was 14. But anyway, I do not remember that. That's funny, Robin. It, it is a fun that's way funny. back. And I remember you singing at FCA one morning. Uh, you would have been a ninth grader. I would have been an eighth grader, I believe, that year. And you sang a song that is about how, um, Lord, you know I aim to please. You can take my heart, take everything except, mm-hmm. and then you list all these cute little things. Oh, like goodness. I don't remember My stereo that. and my old blue sweater, my whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And you're in the... The point of the song is, mm-hmm. what are we holding back from the Lord? Yeah. Anyway, you have no idea, but that God used that Aww. in my life. Oh, God that's used so you neat. in my life. Oh, as you an know, example. singing has been kind of my safe spot in my life. You know, um, it's just it's the way that I can express my love back to the Lord, and it's I just love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the best, right? But <laughs> I'm not the best vocalist out there. But it's just been kind of no, you're great. A sweet, you are a great singer. I a remember. sweet thing. It is so. Anyway. And that one other sweet memory I want to put on here is that for Theta Sigma Chi at OBU, <laughs> which was our sorority group that we were, Tracy and I were both in, and I was pledging, and you have to do some projects during the process of pledging, <laughs> and Tracy gave me a project, and it was to memorize 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. And that was your project for me. Oh, you have a great memory. So (laughs) None of these things are even ringing a bell. You've been pretty influential in my life. (laughs) Well, that's so so sweet. uh, And I will stop going down memory lane with Robin and Tracy memories, but I just... (laughs) Well, Tracy and I know each other, too, from uh, when we were young married. Yeah, newlyweds, Mm -hmm. just starting to have babies, and we kind of... Yeah, raise children together, you know, how friends do. Yeah, we were in the same Sunday school class at Heritage uh, Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And we would come to your house and swim mm-hmm. and hang out, and our kids were about the same age, so it was fun. Yeah, very fun. What are some things that you're passionate about that kind of light your fire? Yeah, so um, my husband and I, when we first got married, we moved down to Pensacola, Florida, just for one year for him to get his master's. And like I said, we hadn't dated that long, so we were really just getting to know one another, and it was just the most perfect, wonderful gift from God that He would let us kind of be away from both of our families and our friends and start our life together, not knowing anybody. But we showed up at a church there. We, we visited some churches, and we went to this amazing church, and I wish I could name remember the name of it right now, but I can't. But we, had, uh, we went to the newlywed class, and the names of the leaders were the Godwins, and they were an older couple, I'd say mid-60s, and they had this one-year class, and they had 52 lessons set up to help you get started in your marriage. So there would be finance classes and investing classes. There would be communication classes and all all kinds of things. It was just perfect. so neat, and you yes. literally would start at any point during the year and go through all 52, and then you could go on after that. And this couple was so influential in our lives, and they would have us for dinner and things. They really invested in us, and we said back then, being married just months, someday we want to be able to do that for other people. So we are super passionate about um, helping couples as they are either seriously dating, engaged, or newly married, just try and start their their lives off right. So that is really our passion as a couple um, together. So yeah. Oh, I love so is that, that what you're doing at Heritage now? It is. We've been, I think we. this is our 13th year. So it's so fun because now the couples that we started with now have many children. We've got one of our couples that has eight children. And so it's fun to see all of them having, you know, worked through the hard stuff and now they're in the parenting stage. And so we'll have them out to our house. We live on a little five acre mini tiny ranch. And so we'll have them and their kids over for potlucks. And that is so rewarding. So... And that's kind of how we were treated in our early yes. married class when Tracy and I were in an early married Sunday school. Yeah, Jan, Jan and Dawn, Dawn Gilliland. They're yeah. still. She is. Yeah, Dawn is past, but Jan is one of my best friends in this mm. world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sounds great. So, do you have a time in your life when things got frayed? Oh my! <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> or yeah. did everything just go perfect? Oh sure, perfect life. Um, Sure. And it was unexpected. I guess it's always unexpected when things fray because um, I'd had a pretty pretty good life, pretty normal life. And um, all I really ever wanted to be, and I can already hear my emotions getting ready to cry. So if I blubber, you'll <laughs> just we be prepared. Just okay. We may just um, I just wanted to be a mom. Like my, my life goal was to be a great mom. Um, and I went to college and I got a degree in music education. So I was a teacher for a little bit, but that wasn't ever a huge passion of mine. What I wanted to be was a great mom. And so even when Greg and I were dating, we started some pretty serious conversations right off the bat. And one was his mother was a stay-at-home mom with five boys. He's fourth of five. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I just have a brother. And we talked about that when we were dating. And I said, I really want to be a stay-at-home mom when we do have children. And he said, I really would love that. And so we pre-planned that. And, and financially, 
intentionally we pre-planned it in that uh, we never used my income. We just put it in the bank so that we'd never get used to that so that it would be easy for me to step out of work the work life. And so when I had our first son, he was a little early, uh, a month early, and it was in the NICU for a while. And I remember standing over his bed. He was he was big. He, w- he was four weeks old and he was six, eight. So that's not a tiny baby. But his lungs hadn't developed at all, and so I remember they transported him. We had to change hospitals because I was at a women's center, and they didn't have the things that they needed there for him. And so they transported him, and then when we drove over and we went into the NICU for the first time, I'm looking around, and there's all the incubators Mm -hmm. with all these tiny babies, and I'm like, now where's my baby? And they point to the very back in a corner, and it's an all-glass room, and he's the only one in it. It was this special room, and I was like, then I I was panicking, like, wait a minute. I didn't expect this to be so serious. And they said, it is serious. Like, you can't touch him. You don't need to talk to him. You can't do anything that would get his heart rate up or anything like that. You're just going to need to stand. And you can come at certain hours and watch, but you can't hold him or touch him or anything. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, all the videos show skin to skin is important and this and that and bonding. And so then I was just confused. And I remember crying out to the Lord, like, wait a minute, this isn't what I was expecting. And I feel like I have no control. And that was kind of a foreshadowing, you guys, of what my parenting would be like. Like, honey, you don't have control now, and you're not going to have control in the future, so you better trust me. Mm -hmm. And looking back, that was kind of a defining moment that I didn't even know was so defining. But he ended up being fine. He's wonderful. He's our almost 24-year-old, and he's a joy. And so, um, But as time went by, we had three sons, and I always wanted boys. I had a brother. My husband's from all-boy family, and Mm -hmm. I just think boys are fun to raise. They're wild and adventurous, and I love that. Um, But I think I I didn't expect um, what I got, and that was just some very independent, strong-willed, risky, you know, if you have boys, that they're not easy. Mm -hmm. And I would say out of my three, I have two very uh, strong-willed boys and one more compliant. And I'm so glad I had the compliant one last or else I would have like parenting books out there and act like I knew what I was doing. But I was very humbled very quickly (laughs) with the amount of kind of rebellion Mm -hmm. from the get-go. And we got to a place and I want to, I guess I want to preface this by saying I adore my children and I am so proud of them. Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had some rough years and I'm not talking a year or two, I'm talking a 10-year stint where I thought, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Lord, what am I going to do? Where my husband and I would be on our knees praying, Lord, give us wisdom. We would be reaching out to people um, and going to counselors and things. And I don't want to be too specific because I want to respect my children fully because I'm so proud of them. And and we've come so far, all of us. And I made mistakes along the way. I think, looking back, I may have caused some of the rebellion because I was such a stickler and I didn't let anything go. I remember when they were little, I think my middle one was like two, and I remember disciplining him, trying to do it in a loving way, but probably pretty frustrated. And I said to him, I remember saying, I'm disciplining you now because I know that if we get control of this, then I won't have trouble when you're a teenager. (laughs) And um, as we all know, that's not necessarily true. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't discipline, but I'm saying it doesn't guarantee that that there's no problems sure. later. And so just to be kind of vague, but yet tell you what I'm talking about, we've dealt with drug issues. Um, you know, we've run the gamut 
and I will just say that there were many nights um, where I thought that I would lose my son, one of them, um, because of choices that he was making. And I have planned his funeral so oh, many times, gosh. and I know that sounds morbid, but I think I was like, That's "Okay, a Lord, of how real it was." Yeah, to and you. I think I was kind of trying to not. I was thinking, okay, if I can kind of get this in my head as to what it would be like, then I won't be so shocked and devastated at the time. And so I was trying to think, okay, what would I say? What would I do? And I, I know, again, some of you are thinking that's terrible, but I, that's how bad it had gotten. Where that's I was so fearful was. Yes. of of him losing his life, and um, so yeah. Were so, you afraid he would take his life or that somebody else would? Or I was afraid? afraid he would take his life. There were times that he was that low. And um, then there were times when he was doing such risky behavior mm-hmm. and trying things and doing things that were dangerous that I just didn't know if we would we would see him turn 20, 21. And so I'm so thankful now we've come so far. But um, yeah, it's been really rough. Yeah. Really rough. But things are better. Um, we've seen a lot of changes in the last about nine months to a year that have given us so much hope. And I just, I will say, I just really love being with him anytime I'm with him. This, this particular guy that I just, I adore him and I, I know God has great things for him. So I just would like to let our listeners know, those of you that are thinking to yourself, okay, I'm so glad I'm hearing this today because I'm in a rough spot and I never saw this coming. Mm-hmm. I thought that we were going to have an easy road with my child. And my sweet daughter, my sweet son, has now become a rebellious person walking away from God or walking away from everything we've taught him or her all these years. And so um, as we're having this opportunity for this conversation today, Tracy, what do you want to say to that mom who's listening and, and thinking, I'm so desperate and I'm in, I don't see the, mm-hmm. the light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I had many nights her? like that, many days like that. And I, I actually have a verse that has given me such comfort. And it's kind of an odd one, I guess, maybe. But you, I think most believers know Psalm 139. It's the whole, you know, you know me, you know my inner parts, you know that, that scripture. But what I love is verse... Um, Five And it says, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. And then it talks about, you know, where where would the spirit go? Could you ever flee from me? And so what I would say is that, um, as we know, God doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And we are never promised a sweet, perfect life. Actually, we're promised suffering, right? Mm-hmm. And so we shouldn't True. be shocked, but yet we are. We think, oh, wait a minute, I was doing everything right. And, I, right. and what I would say to parents is somehow we fall into this trap, and I don't know where I learned it, but I picked it up along the way that if you have family meals together, and if you and your husband are loving, and if you teach your children scripture, and if you, whatever, there's a million if yous, and it runs the gamut from if you're gluten free all the way to, <laughs> if you only read the King James Bible. I mean, there's crazy stuff out there. Right. And you start to think, if I will do everything right, then the result will be... Well, I think we take that scripture of raise a child right. in the way they should go, and we turn it yeah. in a way that it probably wasn't really meant to be. Exactly. Yeah, and so what I would say is, um, that's a lie. And here's what I tell young women now. Parent to the glory of God Period. 
parent to the glory of God, period. And why I put a period on there is because most of us, whether we do it on purpose or accident, we say, of course, parent to the glory of God, and we want to make really great citizens that give back to our world. Or parent to the glory of God, and we want to make the Raider name a solid name in our community. Or parent to the glory of God, and da-da-da-da-da. We always put an and back there. And we all do it. And I think mm-hmm. if you can say, no, when you're in a spot where you're God, like, Lord, what do I do right now? He's acting crazy. Just stop <laughs> and pray, Lord, I want to glorify you right now in the way I parent this child. So would you give me wisdom right now to know the next step? Mm-hmm. And let him speak to you, let go to scripture, whatever. But our reaction has to be, not so that I don't embarrass my parents, not so that I you know, impress my community, not for this or that, but Lord, let me honor you with parenting this particular child at this particular time, mm-hmm. or else you get wrapped up in what it should look like, or then you lose your... I mean, I've lost control so many times where my anger has gotten the best of me, or I've, I, I've been disrespectful to my child, but if I would have just seen it as a, an umbrella, oh, wait a minute... How do I glorify God with my reaction right now, with the words that I speak, with what I choose to do discipline-wise? Period. That's it. This is all to glorify God. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's so great. that verse about He hems us in. So my mom was a seamstress when she was um, all during growing up. She made my wedding dress. She made my prom dresses, Aww. all that. And she's amazing. Um but you know a hem, if you have a hem right. on a garment, if you have a pair of slacks and they're too long and you take them to a tailor or you're a seamstress and you hem them in. An example would be, let's say your grandmother gave you a precious diamond that her that your grandfather gave her and she said, I want you to have this. And it's a loose diamond that you can make out of a, a necklace or a ring. If you said, gosh, I, have to, I, I, I need to keep that in a safe place. You could actually hem that diamond into your pant leg. You could sew, you could put it in, fold it over and sew all the way around it, right? Yes. And then you could go outside and you could go running, you could do jumping jacks, you could do whatever you wanted. And, and that stays. diamond would stay in there. It would get hemmed in. And that's the way I pictured it, this verse in my mind, that the Lord says, I hem you in, Tracy Raider. You're the child of the Most High God, and I have you. It doesn't mean that I keep you from having a rebellious child. It doesn't mean that I kept you from the divorce. It doesn't mean that I kept you from the chronic illness. It doesn't mean I, it means I hemmed you in, and you're safe here with me. We're going to walk through this together, and I go before you. I come behind you. I surround you on all sides. And what's even better is he knows we're so clueless that all throughout the scriptures, especially Psalms, he says, I'm your firm foundation. Oh, okay. Well, I don't relate to that. Well, that's okay. Let me tell it another way. I'm your rock. Well, I don't relate to that. That's okay. Let me tell you something else. I'm your hiding place. Oh, that's cool. And he just keeps going. That's true. I mean, he just I says it a million it like ways. So and you're like, many beautiful and it, yeah. And at some point you go, oh, that relates to me. For me, my hiding place, that's what he's been for me. I can crawl into the safety of him and go, okay, my life feels like it's so out of control. I'm wondering right now if my son is going to make it through the night, but he's my hiding place. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. So walk us through some of those really, some of the darker times. What did that do 
with you between you and Greg, oh, yeah. or what? How did what did you do? Yeah, I'm not going to pretend that we um, <laughs> that it was rosy or that we were always on the same page. My husband and I, I I am a thinker and he's a feeler, and I can set aside personal sentiments and logically make a decision because it feels right or wrong to me. I'm pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. My husband is very heartfelt decision maker. He's so kind and. Um, and so we are polar opposites in that way. And as hard as it is to understand the other, it's also a beautiful thing that the Lord gave us opposites so that we could combine and make right. a, a good, a good solid decision. And so um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but probably the worst night of my life was um, we had decided to, in order to try and save um, one of our son's lives, we um, we chose. Um, a therapeutic boarding home for him to stay in. And so we had to seriously just relinquish our parental rights. Um, It was about a 50-page document that we had to sign to say that we were going to allow this place to basically raise him for a period of time. And so that what we were trying to do was save his life. Save his life. Yeah, and give him a fresh start. Mm -hmm. And um, it ended up being a two-year... place that he was at. And that was the hardest thing as a mother. And I remember uh, he, he ended up leaving at around four in the morning. And so we got up in order to get him ready. And then when he left, um, we just crumpled. <laughs> and we crumpled in bed, embracing one another just in each other's arms and cried ourselves to sleep. And we had to get up for work the next morning. And so... I remember thinking, I'm so glad I have this man to walk through this with me. And it wasn't easy. We we disagreed on some things of of how to discipline or, you know, and I'll tell you a cool story about my husband to share with you what an amazing person he is. But when I'm fast forwarding now in this story, but when our son had been through a lot of rebellion, even after we made that two-year decision, um, and he wasn't living with us anymore. He went out on his own at a pretty young age. And so I was always worried about that. Well, he had asked to come back home. And and we'd talked with a counselor. And the counselor said, I think really you need to set a boundary to not let him come back to live with you um, now that he's an adult because you know he's defied some rules and things. And so you, you should probably set a boundary. And so I heard that. And as a logical thinker, mm-hmm. black and white, I just said in my mind, no more. No more bringing him back. We'll love him all different ways, but not in inside our home. And so my son had reached out to us and said, "Can we come back home?" And I said, "No." Remember, you know, I was telling my husband, "No." Remember what the counselor said. And my husband said, "Told him no." And then we saw some progress in our son's life. He had been really working on some things, and some months went by, and he called back and said, "Could I come back?" And I said to my husband, "No." Remember, remember. <laughs> and my husband said, "You know what? I've been praying about it, and..." I think we should let him come back. He's our son. And we see progress, and we see that he's making better choices. And I guess I was I was thinking of all the hurt, and I didn't want to go through that again. And so part of me, not because I didn't love our son and want him to be back in the home, I just didn't want to experience that right, hurt anymore. Right. And so my husband said, you know what? I'm the spiritual leader, <clears throat> and I prayed about this, and I'm making a decision, and we're bringing him home. And so he said, you know, we've tried tough love. We've done tough love, and we had. And we've tried, you know, trying to be a little more lenient. Um, But this time, I want to try full-on grace. Full-on grace, he said. And I said, well, what does that mean, that we just get run over? 
And he said, I just want to love him. I just want to bring him back and show him how much we love him. And I have to say, (laughs) I was not on board. I thought my husband was crazy because I just felt like we were going to get embarrassed and run all over. And I knew that people were watching this situation and I figured they were like, well, there goes Greg and Tracy again. No wonder he acts like that because they're so whatever. And that was ridiculous because I just told you that we should be parenting for the glory of God. And yet here it was coming yet, back in my mind. And those fears it, pop yeah. up. Yes. So what was crazy, and I wish I had time to tell you the whole story, but my husband went and picked him up and um, our son walked into the house and I gave him a big hug Um and then we started the process of him living with us for the ni- next nine months. And it's, I will say it started off rough. And the first night, there was already a, a little indication that things may not go well. And I went up to my husband who had already fallen asleep. And I, I was mean. This is, not, <laughs> this is not a pretty side of me. He was asleep. And I tapped him on the shoulder. And I said, hey, Mr. Full-on Grace, Uh-oh. guess what our son is doing right now? And he popped out of bed and he said, what? And I told him. And he goes, Tracy... Would you stop? And I was like, well, I'm just saying that it's day one and there's already some indicators. And he said, would you stop and just love him? And I said, okay. And so it took me about a week or two of kind of, I guess, just being really guarded. And then the Lord just spoke to me that how would I like it as God's child if I walked into a room and God was guarded with me? You know, where he's looking at me like, yeah, what are you going to do right now? Because I know your past, that kind of a thing. And so something in my mind just clicked. And so I said, okay, whenever this person, <laughs> my son walks down the stairs, we have a two-story house. And in the morning when he gets up and he walks down the stairs, all I'm going to do is say good morning and wrap my arms around him and tell him how much I love him. And so I started doing that. And then I would walk out and go to work. <laughs> and so I did that day after day after day. And every day wasn't perfect, but then those days and weeks turned into, good morning, I'm so proud of you. Like, here's what I'm seeing in you. And I started seeing him really making some huge efforts. And and I would pick those one or two things that I could really see that he was working on. Like, he is such a hard worker. He was going to work and working hard every day. And when he'd come home, I could see he was tired. And so I'd just love on him and tell him, wow, you are going to be such a great dad and a husband someday because of how hard you work. And I would just focus on those things. Mm-hmm. And um, it just turned around. And things mm-hmm. got better, and our relationship got better. And so we did a lot of mending on both sides that nine months. And then one day he came home and he said... Um, and it was about nine months later, yeah, he said, hey, I decided to rent a house. I'm, I'm going to go out on my own again. Thank you for letting me kind of get back on my feet. And I was like, "What? wait a minute. No, I'm really enjoying our time together. And I really, you know, you can stay longer. You can save more money and we can have a little bit more time together. And he said, no, mom, it's it's time for me to go on. I, I need to be independent and you guys have been great. And so so he just lives down a few, you know, several miles from us and we get to see him now on a on a regular basis and things are so much better. And I, as time goes by, it just keeps getting better and better. So I, w- I commend my husband on that approach to just just love him. Don't focus on all the stuff. Just, just love him. Hmm. That's so. amazing. That's a great story and a great analogy. Hmm. I love it that you brought up the fact that God doesn't do that to us, that God doesn't welcome us into his throne room with an a doubtful, what did you do wrong now? Yeah. But rather, he says, we can come boldly before the throne yeah. with 
a complete access to His presence, that we are welcomed, yeah. and that He receives us, not because of us, but because of Jesus. Yeah. He receives us. I know. Fully. And I think, sometimes I think we as believers, um, we do a disservice to ourselves as parents because we have this ideal box that we try and fit our kids in. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, my box was this. It was like, okay, from the time they're tiny, I want them to accept the Lord and then be a real light in their classroom. I mean, a five-year-old being a light, right? Yes, it can happen, but that's a lot of pressure, right? Or one side of my box says, I want them to be virgins when they get married, right? I mean, wouldn't that be ideal? And I never want them to touch drugs or alcohol. And I want the da, 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 and your box looks different. Mine was pretty tight. And I'm trying to stuff my kids into this box. And they're saying, no, that's too much pressure. That's too tiny of a box. You're making me nervous. And I think for some kids... They, it just makes them rebel. Mm -hmm. And for others um, who are more rule followers, yeah, they might do it, but I don't know if it's them doing it for the right reasons or because they have a conviction or if it's just to please mom and dad. And I think somewhere along the way, the wheel will break and they'll be like, wait a minute. you know? Exactly. And so it's a hard thing because you want to set standards for your kids and you want to teach and discipline toward a good value system and to the Word of God, but there has to be grace infiltrated into that to where they don't feel all this pressure to be perfect. And I failed at that many times, but I'm learning, and I'm better now at it than I've ever been, but it's still a struggle for me. I can relate to that in a way of looking back over my shoulder and seeing that... Hold on, it's gone. Um, I was trying to somehow expect my children to be perfect. Yeah. But they weren't, and they never will be perfect. Nobody's perfect. And to, I remember a conversation I had with Chris where I was saying something about, well, if we, <laughs> if we raise our children right, they will never use profanity. <laughs> and Chris said, okay. Robin, let me just tell you something. We are going to do everything we can to raise our children right. However, when when they do, they do not, <laughs> not if, if when yeah. there's a day that this is a situation and it's a conversation we have to have. Let me do the talking, mm. and I <laughs> okay. But that pers I had a a crazy idea that I could make them choose something. Oh, I know I did too. I thought I the kids that didn't choose. just weren't taught well enough, or their parents missed that. Right. I didn't know that you could teach it well. And, and then say no to it. But they it, still have their own free will. Yes. <laughs> they do. It, that's so funny. I, I have an interesting story that I tell a lot, but I was with a kind of a total stranger. It was a long story, but I was on a bus tour with a total stranger. And um, we were talking, we were getting to know one another because it was a long tour. And... Um, I was asking her about her family and her marriage and her kids, and she was such an amazing person. And she was homeschooling her four kids, and she has a great husband. And so she was telling me all this, and we homeschool, and we we teach them scripture, and we pray with them every night, and we're just really and I and I'm like okay, and this is about the time that our our situation had escalated to the worst part. And so I'm trying to be very supportive of her and loving and all that. And I was like, that is great. I mean, it sounds like you're doing really great job. And so then it turned toward. Her asking, well, well, tell me about your family. And I, I was in the thick of it, you guys, so I probably wasn't holding back much. And I told her the entire story. In fact, it was a long, long conversation. And she said, and I could see her kind of getting nervous because she was probably 
because I was, I'm ahead of her in years. So she had smaller children. Mine were teenagers at this point. And she was saying, oh, oh goodness. Okay. Well, well, you know, but we homeschool. And I'm like, yeah, we, we did for a while too, about seven years. Oh, but we have meals together. I'm like, yeah, we did too. And so she said, oh, wow. Well, all I know is in the end, I just want my kids to love Jesus. And I said, oh, okay. What if they don't? And she was like, what? I said, okay, what if you do all the things and at the end they don't actually love Jesus or choose him? Then what? And she, it turned, I mean, I maybe shouldn't have done that because I think she was like, what? You know, like it was sort of like, I think I burst her bubble, which... I wasn't doing it to be spiteful. I promise. I was just wanting to plant that seed that you can do all the right things or mm-hmm. close to. None of us are perfect. We're not all going to do the right thing every time, but you can generally parent well and your church, your your kids not choose that. Mm-hmm. And so then what? So and what that's is the answer. The, I don't know the answer yet. I think my husband saying full on grace is a really good solution. So then what? Then you keep living your life out as a child of God and you keep loving them where they're at because mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy things can happen. I mean, I have friends whose kids have turned um, out to announce that they are a homosexual or that they're you know living with their boyfriend or girlfriend or that they've chosen this lifestyle or that. or And, and so what? What are we going to do? We're going to disown them? No, 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 we're going to love them. Mm -hmm. And so, and that doesn't necessarily mean accepting their lifestyle necessarily, but you still, they're still your children, just like we're still God's children. Yeah. And you love them that in the end, in the end, you keep loving them. That's right. That's all. And you didn't have control when they were young anyway, although we felt like we did because we could physically move them. (laughs) But now we really don't have control. We can set the boundaries a little bit easier when they were little. So we thought, oh, we've got this. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have zero control, basically. I have maybe a little influence, not a little, hopefully a lot of influence into my kid's life, but I don't get to choose for them. That's their life. And I'm proud of them and I love them. And I can now look at all three of my boys and and just say, gosh, there's so much that you are doing so well, and I'm so proud to be your mom. That's the bottom line. And, and I think we do get tangled up in that whole, like, this is our family name. Right. This is how we conduct ourselves in the world. This yeah. is what people think of us. Yeah. And we don't realize that we are, but there's that piece of it of, like, you don't go out there and embarrass me. I know. Which is really about us and not about it, exactly. God. Exactly. Very right. wrong. Mm-hmm. And isn't it true that we somehow expect... If I do, and you already said this a minute ago, Tracy, if I do A, B, C, and D, I can expect product E. And it should be that way. And it just isn't. And for us to realize it's not about us, it's surrender that we don't have the control, surrender and and letting God do whatever He's doing. And for us to say, instead of saying, why me? Why is my child doing this? Why is our family having to go through this tragedy? Why are we having this storm? Why not? Exactly. Why and not? God can use anything. And he, he absolutely does. can. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I was so judgmental before I had children. I mean, you know, we all think we could parent so much better when we look from the outside until you actually start doing it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm so humbled, you guys, that <laughs> I. All I want to do, actually, one of the first things I do to my younger friends who are new moms is tell them 
you are doing such a great job of being a mom because I needed to hear that because you start doubting, am I even close to what I'm supposed to be doing here? And so I'll usually just say, how's life? You know, that kind of thing if we're in passing and then just say, hey, if no one's told you lately, you're a great mom. You're doing a great mm-hmm. job. Keep going. And I wanted to show, I wanted to share with you a quick book, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to ask for resources. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Back when I was in the thick of it, I, and I would take the boys to uh, the library all the time, I started reading like crazy every book I could get my hands on, which I kind of regret, actually, because I probably wasn't um, picking always the right book, so I was getting all of this information. But there was one book I was actually mad one day because I felt like, why me? Like, why is parenting so hard? And I was looking at the books and the bindings in the library, and there was a book, and on the Binding, it said, parenting is your highest quali- uh, calling. Parenting is your highest calling. And I grab it because I was mad. I wanted to I actually remember thinking, that is not true. Parenting is not your highest calling. It can't be because not everyone gets to be a parent, first of all. So that wouldn't even make logical sense. But glorifying God in all that we do is more our high calling, not just parenting. And so I grab it and I look at the front and the front of it says, Parenting is your highest calling and eight other myths that lead you into worry and guilt. And so inside the book are eight myths that we are taught and hear in our lives that we need to stop it. And so this neat author, her name is Leslie Leyland Fields. I wrote her after I finished the book because it was so impactful in my life. And I just said, thank you. Thank you for releasing that pressure for me to not have perfect kids. And she was just spot on. And so I totally recommend the book. I, I guess wow. it's still in print. I don't know, but it's a good one. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because yeah. we do. We think, because people say that too. Even in the church, we say, Oh, it's such a high call. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's your most call. important job. It's your most important job. <laughs> it's the most important thing you'll ever do. And it is. It in is some ways, important. it's a very important mm-hmm. thing. And can I chase a little rabbit trail here? Yeah. I feel that in our churches, we have. In not intentionally, we have unintentionally glorified the family instead of talking about more about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I just want if you're a listener out there and you're wondering what's going on, are the wheels coming off of my life? I don't have a husband. Is this you can glorify God? Absolutely. Every bit as much as a wife and a mother can. You are on a path that God has for you. And um, I just want to affirm to any listener who's wondering, what's going on with this? God can use all of us where we are. And you do not have to have a husband and children Mm-mm. to fully fulfill a plan for your, a grand scheme. He right. is the He's drawing all people to Himself, and the goal is Jesus. The goal is not a motherhood. Right. <laughs> right. You're right. The goal is wherever God has placed you, that's where you are to glorify Him. Yeah, yeah and I think that we as women especially struggle with filling ourselves up filling some void in us. And we do it with, well, if I only were married, or well, if I only had children, and then we're really not satisfied after that, well, I only have one, now I want two, now I want three, now I want four. And and it's like, is this ever ending? It's not until you fill yourself up with Jesus. Right. We can't fill ourselves up with all those things. And not that your children are things or your spouse is a thing, but what we're searching for is to find our fulfillment in Christ alone. Yes. That's mm. perfect. Did you have any other resources? Um, no, because I think I made that mistake of I'm reading too many too books that I 
I, <laughs> I'm careful not to give too many mm-hmm. of those, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So great. Well, thank you so much for sharing well, such an welcome. honest conversation. I love well, it. I, it's, it's the way that God has drawn me to himself is through the struggle. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I would say to your listeners, whatever the struggle is, yours is probably going to look totally different than mine. If yours is the fact that you're still single and you think, why, why is everyone around me married and I'm not? Or if yours is some illness or whatever it is to to look to him and not make it turn you from him, to mm-hmm. keep being, <laughs> to say, him me in, Lord, <laughs> him me in and be with me, whether this storm surrounding me, in front of me, behind me, all sides. Mm. So. Right. And I'm so glad that your story, it wasn't just this little cookie cutter, I did this and this happened. No. <laughs> but instead, it's an honest and vulnerable look into a, a journey. And thanks yeah. for sharing. And it's not over. It's I not mean, our over. journey, my right. journey is still going with all of my right. children. And so, yeah. So all of you that are out there on your journey and you're in a storm, hold on, keep on pressing in to the Lord and he will walk you through it one step at a time. And your, your journey is going to look different than Tracy's, but it's going to be beautiful just the way it is. So, mm-hmm. all right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So everyone, wasn't Tracy Rader just such a delight to listen to? I'm so thankful that she came today and shared her wisdom with us. Something that Sherry, that she shared that it was so helpful is the idea that we parent to the glory of God, period. It's not something that we add on, parent to the glory of God, and then we can have great children, or and then we can expect this to happen. Nope, we just... Parent to the glory of God, period, in this moment, in this day. And I loved when she talked about how God hems us in like a diamond in that fabric. And there's, we're just locked in. There's no moving. He's around us. He's in front of us. He's behind us. So he, we have him in every direction we go. So thank you so much again for listening. And make sure you rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. And we will see you again in a couple weeks. Bye.